Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Matt Neidich. He conceptualizes, designs, and builds new experiences in healthcare. After studying business administration and journalism at UNC Chapel Hill, he moved to the Pacific Northwest to begin his career at Intel Corporation. In 2012, Matt saw the large challenges facing the healthcare ecosystem, and he decided to apply his analytical, creative, and systems thinking skills to help the industry adopt and navigate change. As a director of product implementation and provider partnerships at Premiera Blue Cross, his goals include leading new product implementations and partnering closely with other healthcare organizations to bring their distinctiveness into Premiera's product offerings. He holds his MBA in entrepreneurship and innovation management from Portland State University, and uh, he is blazing some trails in uh, in the COVID era and just with the work that they're doing at Primera. So, so excited to have you here on the podcast, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we dive into the unique approach that you guys are are taking into implementations and, and partnerships, I'd love to hear more about you, Matt, and, and what inspires your work in healthcare. Yeah, you know, um, I grew up in a, in a house where healthcare was very front and center to us. Um, we had uh, various chronic conditions. Uh, my, my dad actually has. And I, I watched the struggle to navigate healthcare according to his own schedule. I watched the challenges that he had. And I went with him to doctor's appointments for heart disease, diabetes, various other complications along the years, and just really got to, to see a lot of what it looked like on a day-to-day basis. I didn't realize how, how challenging it was for everybody and thought it was just our family um, at the time. But as I got older and started to take control of my own healthcare experience, once I was out working on my own, I realized that it was broken for a lot of people. In uh, 2009, 2010, we started to see a lot of changes um, start to take shape uh, in the country with ACA being passed and realized the the industry wasn't necessarily well posed to to solve those problems. So um, I I wanted to take the skills that I had and had worked on through my my first few years at Intel to, to really really um, help those organizations figure out what that change could look like and how they could win competitively and create a better experience for their customers. So that really drove me. It was kind of figuring out how I could use the skills that I had developed over over my education and my career to, to have a meaningful impact to a lot of people. Now, that's that's so interesting. And, you know, you, you go from the tech giant Intel into a very large industry. I mean, you know, 3.6 trillion, it, it's what it is now. It's a it's huge. And, um, and so the need for, for experience outside of healthcare is critical, you know, especially around consumer focused uh, approaches and, and technology centered approaches. So talk to us a little bit about the work being done at, at Premier Blue Cross and, and specifically 
how you and your team are adding value to the ecosystem. Absolutely. So at Primera, we, um, we've always uh, had the, the desire to be a very customer-centric con- company. And if you look kind of at the history of, of the company, it's always served, served employer markets uh, very well. It's worked into places with uh, the individual markets, uh, Medicare Advantage, et cetera. And what the company really tries to do is receive feedback from from customers and understand how to apply kind of new thinking into healthcare. Um, it's actually a really, really great and supportive place to be. Um, and one of the things that attracted me to it when I when I joined a couple of years ago was the ability to really take some outside the this is going to sound cliche, but outside the box approaches to how we solve for for some of these challenges. So rather than getting wrapped up in in white papers and various, you know, kind of more academic thinking. It's, it's a place where we get to apply kind of practical experiments and, and, and try new things uh, with a lot of flexibility. Uh, one of the products that we're, we're working through right now that's, uh, that's a great example of this is actually um, one of the first uh, virtual care-centric health plans that, uh, that's been announced, definitely in our state and actually, from, from what I can tell, one of the first in the country. Basically, uh, the, the role of my team has been to conceptualize this product, figure out what it is that um, that the customer really needs and is missing in healthcare when it comes to, to how they access the problems that they face and then how we could use technologies and new ways of accessing healthcare to solve some of those problems and create an experience that's more convenient and more cost effective. Um, and so we work really closely first figuring out what that problem is, defining the problem, documenting it, and, and really then figuring out what those steps can be to solve it, working closely with external partners um, that deliver care and provide some level of infrastructure, and then also internally to make sure that all of our systems and processes are set up appropriately to be able to bring that product to life. And so that that's a lot of the work that my team does in that implementation space. This particular product is called uh, Primera Now, and essentially a partnership with a virtual care provider that provides 100% free on-demand primary care based on a text interaction with a doctor, 24-7, 365, anywhere the member is across the entire country. And so they can start to use a different way of getting information from a clinician to engage and begin their healthcare journey as they come in. And you can imagine for, for a patient who has the flexibility and the autonomy to be able to take time off of work and go and wait in a doctor's office, you know, the, the idea of when you look at average wait times and, and everything else in a clinic, taking, taking the time to get your test results interpreted by a doctor, having those tests taken and everything else could be half a day or more um, off from, from work. That works for those who have that affluence, right? It doesn't work for those who don't. And those, those people who don't are often the ones who need the most help. Right and the, and the most change and so that's really um, uh, one of the things that we're we're figuring out is how how do we create a healthcare experience that's convenient, affordable, and and really meets the schedule of the people that that we're trying to serve, so they don't have to build their life around what they need out of healthcare and how to access, but they can actually build their access into to kind of the way that they run their life. Um, talk to a doctor on the weekends, at night, two in the morning, whenever you need to. Right. Um, that, that's really what we're going for. I think it's awesome, Matt. And, you know, I mean, number one, the environment that we're in with COVID has become a large need. Right. I was driving to drop off my son to school this morning and it, it's right by an urgent care center. And there was literally 
a line. Like it, it just looked like a, like a club on the weekend. <laughs> like it was yeah, just, and, and, and it doesn't need to be that way. Right. I mean, like that's way. the funny thing about it. it it's so funny. Cause you look at how consumers tend to engage in other industries and we all used to drive and wait at the bank, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Between uh, nine until noon and then one until four 30 and then they'd stop letting people in line because bank closes promptly at five, right? And so (laughs) those sorts of things that were there, you know, in other industries like that are not how we engage today. We, almost everyone has an app on their phone. They're checking their bank statements there. They're sending money via Venmo and PayPal. They're paying differently. They're thinking about their their financial life in a very radically different way than how it was 15 years ago. Yet in healthcare, we still end up, you know, calling and using the phone and fax and doing all the various things in this way that doesn't seem like it's really changed all that much for the majority of the customer experience. Um, and we have that opportunity to really think about that and say, how do you build something that leverages all these great best practices and, and, and think about what happens in those other industries as the parallel as to what should happen here? Yeah. And so Matt, the Primera now, is that something that is available today? And is it to individuals? Is it to employers? Can you tell us a little bit more about the the uh, access points for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the product, uh, we announced it uh, this this last May um, and have uh, worked to um, to file it with our um, with our state regulators. We're working with that with them to, to finalize all of the, the various pieces that we need to there. But the product will be available for that the employer market later this year. Um, in the Q, uh, Q4 timeframe. And so November, December, um, we'll start to see a little bit of kind of market activity there. And then the major launch of the product is actually on, on, on probably 1-1 is when we'll see a lot of that. So in January, just uh, meeting kind of typical uh, purchasing timeline. Uh, the way that we've taken the product out um, for its initial launch is actually to serve um, a combination of self-funded accounts. So the, those employers who decide to pay for administrative services and network access but aren't um, paying an insurer to take on the risk of that population, so they basically pay for their own their own claims, and then uh, also into the um, into a couple of our fully insured uh, group lines of business for employers. From there, we'll learn we'll we'll be learning quite a bit, and I think have really great aspirations for taking this product and its concepts into additional lines of business um, over the next several quarters and years. Well, congratulations! That's uh, exciting. Thank you. It's definitely really cool, and yeah, no, you know, Matthew, and it's. Really- Right around the corner. So, I mean, I don't know. What would you say that the that the epidemic that we're in drove this innovation faster, or would it have happened? Yeah, it definitely got driven faster because of this. Yeah. You know, when we first started talking about it, we took it out to a couple different employers and started interviewing people. And this goes back more than a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. Over the last couple of years, we've done a lot of research, and in reality, a lot of people kind of laughed at us back in the day. They said, "There's no way that people are going to want to talk to a doctor over text." Um, they're not going to want an insurance product that requires them to do it or that encourages them to do it. People really just like to have 90-something percent of doctors in their network and have the choice. And we really looked at that and said, is that really true? And then, you know, March came around and Washington was one of the, the first states hit with coronavirus cases. Yeah. You guys got and hit hard. instantly we got hit hard. We got hit early. And we instantly saw um, companies coming to us and saying, 
tell me what you're working on. <laughs> so we, we, we had that, that validation that's like, well, we're working on this thing. And it's interesting because you look at last year, you know, we, we had about 11% of U.S. consumers using telehealth last year at some point in the year. But now when we've actually surveyed members, um, we've seen that 76% are now interested in telehealth moving forward. And personally, like at our company, I've seen that in just the time between February and March, we saw 400% growth in the adoption of telehealth among our members. So huge amounts of growth, huge amounts of kind of receptivity. And when you look at the feedback on the back end after those interactions, it turns out that people actually get what they need out of it um, a lot of the time. Uh, and so that gave us a lot of confidence in being able to come in and say, I think we're solving this the right way. But yes, the, the coronavirus uh, outbreak and everything here has definitely accelerated uh, how fast we think this is going to grow. Well, and kudos to you guys for, you know, really being on the ball. And then the time just was so right for this. And and I just, I'm so happy that you guys were building it. Now it's going to be available soon. As you think about what makes what you guys do differently and makes you guys unique, what would you say that is, Matt? I think what makes us unique is um, I, I've worked at a lot of big companies over the last, mm-hmm. you know, several years. And I've not seen a place that really uh, draws back to its values as part of its decision making in the way that, that Primera does. We really talk about, you know, kind of acting with urgency and, and kind of attacking the opportunity to serve our customers better. And when a challenge like coronavirus hit, what we could have very easily seen was that the company just shut down and say, we're not, we're not going to do much or anything like that. Um, it, the, the culture could have completely collapsed. And instead, what we did is we saw it as an opportunity and an imperative to really serve our customers better and to figure out what it is that we could bring to market quickly to make their lives easier and and their access of healthcare easier. And I think that that idea of kind of having principles that you can draw back to in times of uncertainty and then having the good discipline and practice to do it really does create a culture that that allows for organizations to take some risks and to kind of challenge the conventional wisdom of the industry and push things forward. Um, and so I, I'm really fortunate to work in a place that's as supportive um, as as Primera is in these types of innovation. Yeah, Matt, I think that's so key. And, you know, we could get so busy, you know, and, and as business leaders, business builders, organizational leaders, it's important that we take the time to think about our organizational values. I mean, you could probably think about the values that drive you as an individual, but have you thought about that and written it down? to drive your company or organization. You know, just hearing from Matt, you know, he's a leader at Primera and those core values have driven him and and motivated him something for all of us to think about. And and Matt, I I really appreciate you mentioning that because it's, it could sometimes get overlooked. It definitely can. It's amazing because you can make decisions based on numbers and balanced scorecards and everything else and all the structure in the world won't overcome a culture that's broken right? Um, You have to be able to have a North Star that you measure toward and something that really guides your organization. And if you do, generally speaking, I think you end up with with good results because you're constantly saying, am I doing the thing that's important for the goals that we have and really prioritizing that work? And it's funny because when when things are going well, you might not look at it as often, right? But when things kind of start to to be uncertain and you're really just challenged around it, uh, around a situation, having that that kind of rule book to come back and say, it's simple. This is how I think about these things, right? And, and then having others that are thinking that way with you 
allows for you to have a, a different type of success um, and a, a different level of support um, that is just inspiring. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's critical. And, and, you know, the COVID environment, like you said, could have been that which pushed the organization to not follow through. And then it just becomes those words on that, on that, you know, onboarding paper <laughs> or on the, you know, on the wall of the company. And it's certainly not the case with Primera and the, the work that you guys do. If you think about some of the biggest challenges or maybe a big setback you've experienced, what is it? And, and what did you learn from it? Yeah, you know, um, as we got started in, the, in this work, there were a lot of different directions we could go, right? Mm -hmm. um, we didn't know. Um, ultimately, when we started out, we said, what, who, are the, who are the people who have the most compelling problem in healthcare? And how do we solve for them? Well, solving for them is something that there's a lot of different ways you can solve a problem. And I think some of the first pieces of, of, of this work is just really having the courage to choose a direction and start, mm -hmm. start moving. Right. So once you know the problem and you understand it, being able to, to converge around it, define it and then move forward uh, is the first big challenge in taking that first step. From there, I think some of the challenges that we ran into are actually the same types of challenges I think a lot of people in healthcare run into. There's a lot of very good intention uh, within the industry, but a, a lot of times you see that decisions get made based on structure and protocol. And I think that that makes sense because we work in an industry where lives are in, on the line, right? But that structure and protocol often look back toward the history of what's happened in the past to make decisions about what should happen in the future. And that slows down your ability to innovate and think about a new way of being, right? And a new way of, of interacting and creating that because there's no data to support it. So really navigating and saying how big of a how big of risks are we willing to take? How might we think about sizing the the decisions that we need to make according to those risks? And then how do we drive alignment across the people both inside our company and and the partners that we have outside to be able to to make that that reality a little bit more clear for them or that that future reality more clear for them? That work is I think one of the big challenges is is really helping people overcome the mindset of using history as the guidebook. And anything that's, you know, particularly catastrophic, but it definitely takes some time and some, some thought to, to navigate appropriately. That's, that's key. And yeah, you're right. When you're innovating, there, there isn't data to prove it. So <laughs> you got to choose a direction and start moving, folks. <laughs> great, great advice yeah. from Matt. Um, it's just, you just have to have confidence that what you're going to do is going to work. And so with that, you guys have, have made those moves, uh, product coming soon here. What are you most excited about today, Matt? I'm really excited, uh, honestly, about uh, seeing, seeing our new concepts in action, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen some, some tests, some initial feedback from kind of controlled types of experiments that we've done, but I'm really excited to see what it does once it's like, quote unquote, in the wild, when it, when people yeah. are buying the product, using it, and we're going to see a lot of things that are, are different from what we expect, um, I'm sure. And, and really being able to take that initial data to inform where we go in the future and create this first data set that, um, that will be used as the future guidebook, right? Um, creating that precedent that we, we now have done something and that we have a baseline to improve from. And I, I think that it's really amazing to be able to do that because first and foremost, that idea of being able to give people access to something that, that's so foundational and important, which is a relationship with a doctor that they can rely on without barriers to entry. Giving that as something that's um, a 
available into the market is something that I think is valuable to, to real people. And then being able to use the information about what that looks like and where people use it well uh, will help us figure out how to grow it. And I think that that's a, that's a really exciting uh, thing that's coming for us in the next probably a few months here. So it's exciting. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And so if you're curious about Premira, want to learn more, it's premira.com, P-R-E-M-E-R-A. You could also go to outcomesrocket.health, type in Premira or type in Matt. And you'll be able to uh, find our interview here with Mr. Matt Neidich. Well, we're here at the end, Matt. So I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with us. And then the best place where the listeners could reach out to you to learn more or anybody on your team, whatever you recommend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I really want to encourage everyone to really think about what healthcare looks like and how it could be improved for those people you know who, who struggle. Um, whether it's they, they can't find time to see a doctor, they can't afford the doctor, they don't have the knowledge to navigate all of the different decisions. Think about those people and really um, think about how, how we might change as an industry um, and as a sector to make their lives easier and, and make healthcare fit into it. Um, try to lower those barriers and make it accessible because it, it really matters. And if we want to do the right thing for people, that, that's what it's going to take. If you want to reach out to me, um, I'm available. Uh, probably LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me um, where I'm most active. So if you just search for me on there um, and shoot me a message, I'd love to continue any conversations with people who are looking to improve healthcare as well. Love it, Matt. And folks, hope you enjoyed our interview with Matt today. In the show notes, we'll make sure to put a link to Matt's LinkedIn profile so you could just click through and connect with him as well as learn more about the work that he and his team are, are up to. So Matt, just uh, again, want to say thanks for sharing your insights and inspiration and uh, certainly looking forward to staying in touch. And Saul, thank you for having me. It's been great chatting with you. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.